Hello, I am Nate, your Dungeon Master, and welcome to this next episode of Carrots and Suffering. Not too much to say today, so we're just going to get right into it. Last episode was one massive chaotic fight scene. Our heroes confronted the bandit, the bandit confronted them, there was a fight, a crocodile got summoned, this resulted in a much longer fight, followed by a sprint through the swamp, it got pretty gruesome, to be honest with you, but just to remind you what happened, I guess here's your preview. Okay, Zerus, your canoe is the only canoe that stays upright, as all of the canoes essentially part and roll off the back of what appears to be a crocodile larger than their barge. <laughs> all of Zerus's dreams are coming true, says the look on Robert's face. <laughs> Crikey. He has disappeared in some muddy water uh, next to a crocodile. Yeah. For what it's worth, I'm going to spend my turn trying to stabilize him. Okay, good. I'll just shout out, save him if you can. <laughs> not able to shake you, it dives. Sure. And does not come back up. Yup. So you are now underwater holding on to the crocodile. I'll let the axe go. I'm going okay. to drop the axe, <laughs> pull out a dagger, and stab at its head. So cool. Okay. I'm trying to aim the for eyeball. the eye, but yeah. yeah, right, if I can, but... Reckless again, nat 20. She's going to grab the bow, because he's on his hands and knees spitting up water. I'm guessing, he is. Yeah, she's just going to grab the bow and tear it off. And you are swarmed by four wet, ornery bandits. Oh, sure. After throwing Frikes down, I'll be like, oh, Creedon. And I'll hand her the, what is it, two-foot tooth? <laughs> tooth. <laughs> I smile, and you barely... Can you hold it up as you pop it into my arm? <laughs> and special thanks to author Troy Christensen, who is the original producer, uh, author of The Town of Highlock back in the 90s. Let's get into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your dungeon master. Hi, I'm Mandy. I play Boulaine, the Grave Domain Death Cleric. Hi, I'm Claire, and I play Creedon, the Warlock of Love. <laughs> Hi, I'm Zerus, and I play the Barbarian of Law. <laughs> You're Zerus, and you play Robert the Barbarian? That's right. Something like that. <laughs> All right. Barbarian of Law. Let's just talk about the irony of that. And so you boat on up the river for a day. <laughs> wringing out our clothes Boulaine wrings out her hair <laughs> oh yeah by the way the entire time we were tromping through the swamp I was prestidigitationing myself <laughs> <laughs> eventually I know he's going to wake up is he like in a semi-private location where one could possibly have a private conversation <laughs> no private conversation would not be possible on this barge there's no real Hidey hole. We're putting him in the jail. You might be able to have a quiet talk with him there. Okay. I am going to roll a dice to see how eventful or non-eventful your trip back is. You are about halfway back to town, starting to get dark again, and yet again you feel this wave as if there is something <laughs> real big in the water. It wasn't the crocodile? <laughs> that was supposed to be just the crocodile, Nate. Has he woken up? He does wake up, yes. Boulain says, do you know what that is? It's probably the Allfather. The what? <laughs> and would you like to illuminate us as to what that is? Do you know what the Allfather is? 
Why are you in the swamp and not knowing what the Allfather is? Do we know what the Allfather is? What would we roll? You can roll me can roll me a history roll? Am I part of this conversation? You can be near there. I would definitely be staying near him the whole time. So I would be there and would want to roll. Eleven. Eleven. You have never heard of the Allfather. I got also an eleven. <laughs> we're, we're doing history checks? The Allfather is a backwater swamp thing. I don't think an 11 will do it. I got a 13. 13. You think you've heard of a legend about some creature that was blessed by the green man. Oh, all right. It's sort of a boogeyman tale. It's like a scares people in the swamp. It's about all you know. An old wives tale. You tell it to your kids so they won't wander away. Mm -hmm. As long as it's a creature of the green man, I'm fine. Until it attacks us. <laughs> this one's allowed. Yeah, like I'll tell you, okay, so the Allfather is this crocodile that's like centuries old and won't die and is real, real, real big. Is there a way to placate it or do we just try to pass through? I mean, it's literally just a crocodile, so maybe don't look like a fish. You'd probably be all right. Was it the crocodile you summoned? Oh. No, no, that was like a baby. Hmm. Oh, God. Oh, good. <laughs> no, no, the Allfather's been in a war with the dragon that claims it's a god. Hmm. Which dragon that claims it's a god? Oh, there's a black dragon in the swamp that claims it owns the swamp, and it's a god of the lizard people. Right. But some of the lizard people worship the Allfather, which is like a, they think it's sort of like an angel of the green man. Swamp politics. Oh, that's one of our side quests. <laughs> That was the side quest we were trying to get the other team to go do, right? <laughs> yes. It is. Mm -hmm. It's the one I drew They're a fist on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well. Bigger crocodile somewhere in there. And a dragon. We don't want none of that. <laughs> Not right now. Anyway, Light keeps his mouth shut. No one else seems to ask him any questions. They're happy that you just caught him. Kaima seems a little sad that she didn't get to kill him, but she's all right with that. She seems to have made peace with her loss. Lulane does ask him, says, so you are a Frikers? Yeah, pretty much the last of them. I imagine you are a bit indignant about your family's land being used the way that it is. I am indignant about everything there is to be indignant about when it comes to Chester. That man is scum. Hmm. Tell me more. Yeah, can you elaborate more on that? Well, not only is he sitting on my family's land, which is terribly irritating, not only did he repossess my family's fortune, which is the reason why I have not done terribly well for myself, but he also controls multiple thieves' guilds, he takes bribes every day, multiple times, he lives a life of luxury in his spa, and you have evidence to that. Yeah, I do. But not on you. <laughs> no. No, it's it's at the hideout. Had you inherited it, would you have done anything differently than him? Well, I can tell you the lock would have been operating for free, like it's supposed to. Fair. I seem to remember you having a problem with religion. Did you find a patron? Oh shit, Zerus! Yeah, dude, I almost didn't recognize you. He rolls a dice, and he says, well, sorta. So, when no god chose me, I decided to talk to Mask. And Mask doesn't choose clerics very often. He, he believes in 
you know, getting by on your own two feet and your own gumption. He's a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of god, and so he he didn't really give me power. But Creighton's in the background going like just, just running her hand across her neck like stop. <laughs> Rather you don't. Villain puts her head on one side and says, Are you the one living below Melbourne's house? No, no. Can she do insight to see if he's lying? Yeah, sure. Roll insight. <laughs> That's a 13. 13. You don't think he's living below Melbourne's house. Okay, but she saw like the little living quarters. You saw the light of recognition in his eyes. Mm. Okay. He knows what you're talking about. And she said that loud enough for Kaima to hear. Okay, yeah. I want to insight his god. It's a four. It's not. He's telling okay. the truth about his god. Yeah, he's not really giving anything away. He seems to be really into mask, but he's casting spells that don't seem very cleric-y. God, I just want a reason. I'm trying <laughs> to figure out how to get him into one. I think we should question him more when we get back to land and have a bit more privacy. Yeah, we should probably get to the point where we three can confer about what our game plan is, about how to use him as leverage to fix the Thieves' Guild problem, too. Give me one second. So, he's tied with Swamp Vines. Mm-hmm. We're sitting around talking to him. Like, what else is the situation here? There might be a swamp thing. A big, 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 big big crocodile no i meant i meant on the barge you've got kaima you've got four guards you've got five lock operators and a bunch of empty boxes so it's like 30 foot barge 40 foot barge yep. i don't know some length frikes is under the pavilion at the back or yep. and everyone else is under the pavilion at the back i assume well only when it's raining what's the situation currently uh weather seems all right so everyone's kind of spread out moving the boat Using these big oars. Can they hear us? How private's the conversation feeling? Like, someone could hear it if they wanted to, but... They could hear if they wanted to. I mean, the river does make quite a bit of noise, so there's some white noise blocking hushed tones, but you could have a reasonable volume conversation and people could hear it. Where? Oh, yes. <laughs> what are you planning? I'm almost there. I'm almost there. <laughs> I see the light of plotting in his eyes. Yeah. Is there a fire or a, a cook space? There is a cook space. Okay. Are we near it or far away from it? I assume we're uh, kind you're of... pretty close to it. We are. Okay. I could cook something right now? Yes. Absolutely. And we have... Also, someone got you a really big salmon. <laughs> yeah. We have a... We have a giant salmon. 12-pound salmon. That's perfect. I'm going to try to do this sneaky, though. So give me a second. You're going to sneak cook a salmon? <laughs> Dude, this is scary, this episode. <laughs> Do I have you? I don't have you on Teams, so I'll send you a message here. Oh my god. I will cook a salmon. That sounds great. It's going to poison, my boy. No, no poison! <laughs> no poison! We don't know anything. We need him alive, dude. I mean, need is a strong word. Well, no. If he dies, the only thing that happens is the town goes back to operating the way that it was. That was our job. Yeah. But we don't want the town to just go back to operating the way it was. Yeah, down with the man. Down with the guild. All right, yes, I'll start cooking a salmon. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bulane will continue the conversation saying, what exactly is your relationship with Melbourne, Frikers? Yeah, Melbourne's just a dude, you know? He's part of the problem, and... Sometimes he fancies himself part of the solution. 
So you have been in cahoots with him. I have talked to him. Insight. Fourteen? Natural twenty. <laughs> nice. You get the impression he does not trust Melbourne, but he knows him really well. He's talked to him a lot. He sends you word when the boats are coming down, does he not? Oh, no, no, no. No, that would be too helpful. Melbourne just likes that we're sowing chaos. So he makes sure that you can continue. Again, this is loud enough for Kaima to hear. He doesn't do that either. Melbourne's job is to ensure peace between the two locks. And I don't necessarily want him to succeed. And he doesn't necessarily want to succeed either. So sometimes instead of going to the South Lock to tell them, stay coordinated, exchange money, he just skips it. And that helps you. Yeah, it does. Because the South Lock and the North Lock aren't working together. And until this little band of mercenaries came along, they weren't able to put together a coherent fighting force. And now I would like to do insight on Kaima to see how she's responding to this. <laughs> oh, no. That's a 10. 10? I think a 10 is probably sufficient. Kaima is staring daggers at this man. Mm. Gotten worse since we started talking about Melbourne? Yeah. Okay. So. What happens with this salmon? He leans back and says, you know what? I think I'm done talking. So how about we just, I'm going to take a nap. You should do that. Sure. We will be setting a watch over him, make sure nobody kills him, make sure he doesn't try to do anything. <laughs> okay, who's doing the first watch? I could use a short rest. I assume that I might have... Well, could I have short rested like while we were sitting and chatting? You could have short rested okay. a while ago. It's yeah. fine. I can go I can first. Take I... Oh, okay. Kindly roll me uh, perception. I, I am I am staying by the fire. Yep. Thirteen. <laughs> Thirteen. So at one point you see like has laid down, and he stretches his foot out, and he makes contact with a dagger mm. that has been left over by the cooking area. Oh my god. And he pulls it back towards the back of his leg very slowly, and you see it. She will block his foot and take away the dagger. Step on his foot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, steps on his foot and takes away the dagger. You need to roll me athletics. You have advantage. Can I do acrobatics? This isn't, like, strong. You have you can, advantage. You can do acrobatics, okay. <laughs> yes, but you have advantage. I have advantage. So Creedence wanting to keep an eye on him. Like, I wouldn't have gone to sleep. Thank God for that. 14. The other one was a 1. <laughs> okay. Yeah. When you go for it, he tries to kick it under him and roll on it, but you, you grab it. You have a dagger. Just says, we will have none of that, like, just relax. And then she will make sure there is nothing else within his reach. Okay. I'll take second watch. Zerus, roll me perception. Fourteen. Yeah, so you do catch him several times eyeing how far away he'd have to roll to get into the water. <laughs> but he looks pretty helpless. Good. I'll let Creedon take her turn and go to sleep. Creedon, perception. No, I'm not great at that. Five. <laughs> Five. Oh, shit. Uh, we beat him. Don't be mean. <laughs> You just roll this dice him, over we here. We have him, Nate. Come on. He's in boat jail. He's in boat so, jail. <laughs> the, the boat's really quiet. Where we went wrong was we didn't tie him to the boat. I mean, I was thinking that maybe between watches we should secure him more since he keeps trying to be a sneaky little shit. Yeah, that's true. Could it have occurred to us to tie him to the goddamn boat? It's irrelevant. Okay. 
so most people are asleep. There's someone watching the front of the boat, someone watching the back, and two people using those paddles, poles to push the barge upstream. And when it's just you and him, he leans in and says, so I guess you win. I guess I do. I suppose you're just going to let me go. Well, I was told that the point of this was to make us stronger. And honestly, I don't think that you'll get much stronger in jail. I don't really know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. But, you know, this is a delicate situation. I don't know how we're going <laughs> to play. Robert's going to touch that off again. I, I'm not completely sure what is going to happen with you yet. Yeah. For what it's worth, I don't have anything against you personally or your goals. I'll tell you what. You pursue my goals when I'm gone, and I'll stop putting up a fuss. Well, that does let me get my job done. And honestly, well, we aren't thrilled with Chester either, so I think that our interests may align. Roll me persuasion, please. Oh, okay. Fifteen. He leans in and says, come here, I gotta whisper something to you. Mm, insight. That's a sixteen. You think he really is just going to whisper something to you? Okay. I lean in. He gives you directions to his camp, mm. his bandit camp, and he tells you that there is a list, there's a ledger that Melbourne stole from Chester that outlines his bribes, and it's hidden under the floorboard in his treehouse on the top level. Okay, hang on, I'm writing this down. And the, the ledger... So basically it's a ledger of Chester's misdoings? Yep. He says, get that to the capital at all costs. It's in the treehouse where? Underneath the floorboard in the top floor. Okay, I think that that is something that we would all want to do. I don't think that that will be difficult for me to convince my companions to do. He just rolls over. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right, y'all done talking about warlock shit? <laughs> done with the warlock club? We're, we're done whispering and plotting. <laughs> it was remarkably warlock light in the end. Yeah, actually, it was. <laughs> Yeah, anything that you want us to know, you ought to fill us in on. I will, but not here. Not where yeah. there could be ears. Not where Kaima and everybody else is going to be able to hear, too. So you all arrive late at night, very late, so late it's early, when the lock opens to let you back into High Lock. The barge gets pulled up, dock workers come to help unload, the boxes are oddly light, they don't seem to notice, and Kaima will jostle anybody who's still asleep awake and say, uh, all right, Fatim, good work. You want to take him to jail or should I? We will take We him. will. All right. Mary's going to be super pissed at me, so I'm going to go tell her about how successful we were. I am sure and we- And I'm not going to mention, not going to mention, giant crocodile. <laughs> Why not? She would be really upset if she found out that I was anywhere near a giant crocodile. She's already going to be upset that I was near a, a gullwing bandit. Plus, right. it would be bad for business if people thought there were giant crocodiles in the river. And all fathers about. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, we'll take him to the jail. All right. And Bulane says to Kaima, I am sure you are eager to get back to your normal business. I would suggest you take guards against those bandits coming out on their own if they try to cause any trouble. With the magic taken care of, I think... The normal guards will do just fine. Agreed. So, Kaima wanders off. The The lock engineers that were guiding the boat follow her, and they go back into the lock engineers' guild, where you hear screaming immediately. <laughs> Someone inside is super mad. A female voice, I assume? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and we we will escort yep. like to Bardouche. Yeah, when you come into jail, let me see. It's super late at night. Khan is not in. There's two flunkies unnamed who are hanging out at the jail. There's nobody in there. There's well, there's one guy in the drunk tank. Mm. Anybody we know? No. Did I get enough sleep last night on the barge? Yes. Great. We got long rests, right? You got a long rest in it. And you don't need locate object. <laughs> and I don't need locate object because they found it for you. Very kind. The lock operators are pretty good at swimming and diving and finding things in murky water. So I'll stick with the in the jail until Bardish gets around. Yeah, actually, when you come in with someone and say it's the Gullwing Bandit, someone will go wake Bardish up. Whenever we have some time, I want to find a I don't know, quiet corner or something, and just consult with the party a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's one guard in here, and he's too far away, and there's a drunk guy screaming. I'll be whispering. Have a chat. So, are we all in agreement that Chester needs to go? Yes. I think that I have a way to do that. Yeah, of course. The Gullwing Bandit has a ledger that has all the problems. Oh, yeah. Well, I know where it is. Yeah, it's in the lair. He told us. Wait, what? I asked him if he had evidence. Oh, he said I... yes. He said it's in the hideout. I, I said, great. That. That's all okay, I need. Well, I know for. exactly where it is. And I can so does, help. So us does Sadie. Get it. Well, okay. Not exactly, <laughs> but. Jeez, I get useful information and everybody just Creedon, says they already know. Creedon, what did you have to do to get that information? He just told me. Insight! Insight! <laughs> that, that's true! <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a five. I'm just... Fourteen. He did just tell her. He did just yeah. tell me. In my estimation, he's better off dead. In my estimation, if you really want to change this town, then we need him alive and cooperating. Why? He's part of the problem, and his evidence is hard evidence at a safe location. I mean, honestly, I'm okay with either of those. We can do it the more legitimate way or the less legitimate way. The end result is the same. And the only person who can stop us is his loose lips. Cyrus, he committed a crime. He gets to stand a trial for committing a crime. Oh, we're talking about the Gullwing Bandit. I don't want, I don't think that we should kill it. <laughs> I thought they were talking about Chester and murdering Chester. Oh, I thought, I thought we were talking about the Gullwing Bandit. Were you talking about Chester? Well, to be honest, I'm talking about a lot of people in this town. <laughs> and then she says, Chester also has committed a crime. And he gets to stand trial for committing a crime. Well, by Chester's own, not vocation, but path, no trial for Chester's perfectly fine. But is that fine for you, who likes to uphold the law? That's what Brother Ambition likes. Brother Ambition would absolutely be okay with military justice solving this problem in a hierarchical way. But what does... I'm oh, sorry, Zero serves Sister Truth or Sister Mercy or... Sister Truth. There is no Sister Mercy. I serve all gods. I represent all gods. My patron is Sister Truth. And what does your patron say about whether he gets to stand a trial? That his punishment is just. But he needs to stand a trial to determine whether he gets a punishment. Incompetent leadership. Let's say, for example... If you were on a boat or a ship. We were. Or any small community such like. If the leader's incompetent, you have not just the right, but the onus 
to oust the incompetent leadership for the good of all. We have the right and the onus to confiscate Chester and arrest him so that he can stand a trial for his crimes in Astragar. That'll be good enough. <laughs> yeah, I feel like as a worship of divine mercy that perhaps, you know, letting the courts officially handle it may be the way to go. That doesn't have anything to do with emotions. <laughs> it doesn't, but I feel like maybe there is something about mercy in the teachings of divine mercy. Otherwise, she's very poorly named. Yeah, well, that's fair. Or, or, well, they are very poorly named. That's fair. So, Captain Mav Lacarac and Khan Bardish arrive at about the same time. Captain Mav is a, a dwarven man, walks in and says, Hey, Zerus! You guys work fast. You went from basically no leads a night ago, two nights ago, to this. Well, he decided to attack us. What? <laughs> Obviously, he uh, learned the error of his ways, considering he's beat up and you're fine. I owe you a bottle of wine, sir. I'll take it. And a visit to your spa? That's not Chester. Oh, that's not Chester. Oh. Whoops. <laughs> Chester might give you a visit to the spa, but uh, I'll get you a bottle of wine. You want to do the spa visit before we arrest Chester, right? <laughs> I mean, yes, because I was in a swamp. What better cover? <laughs> what better cover? Let's go for the spa day and then take Chester. <laughs> so Khan Bardish looks at him, looks at you guys and goes, gives you this approving nod. Says, you guys are more effective than I thought. So, like I said, your ambition has a friend. If you work with us. All right. I'm all in. Tell me what's next. And Captain Mav says, what's next? You got him. The law is in order. And Converti says, oh, yeah, 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 it's fine. Look, I'm still doing some investigations about some shady activity around the docks. I'm going to stay on that. These guys are going to help me. And Captain Mav says, oh, okay, cool. And he says, I'll go tell Chester the good news. Okay. And Captain Mav walks out. And Combertis turns around and goes, he's actually a really nice guy. He's not even really that stupid. He's just way into hierarchy. So I don't know. It's kind of naive, honestly. He's way too old to be fallen for this crap. Yeah. Bardish, they are going to try to kill him. He needs to be guarded. She points to like in the cell. Oh, he, he'll be guarded at all times. Here's the thing. I expect that they will hold a little military tribunal. Multiple counts of piracy is pretty bad, frankly. Pretty, pretty really bad. One murder? I think he's done for. But, I mean, they'll hold a trial. Probably a very public one. Frankly, Chester's all about appearances. Great. Don't let him be questioned. I Honestly, I bet Chester would agree to that, too. <laughs> all right. Do we have any further questions for him? I don't think so. Here, hold on. I got something for you. And he walks over and opens a drawer and pulls out a little... It, it looks like a stamped coin. I mean, he basically says, here, one stay at the inn on us. And he hands you each a coin. Do you happen to have a breastplate in my size? Your size? Yeah, 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 definitely. It's not here. It'll be up at the base, but... Can I get a coin for the quartermaster for that? Yeah, absolutely. And he or a voucher. pulls open a different drawer and hands you a different colored coin. Great. I think I may have had my notes not saved completely properly left last time. I remember you were telling me, I think Khan told me about Chester having like a bird covered in plaster oh, yeah that was yeah. really nice that the point he of that did. was to possibly be able to speak with the gullwing bandit like another way than what we did right yeah he was offering you a way to bribe the gullwing bandit into talking with you instead of going out on the ship but he was trying to do it subtly 
So it wasn't necessarily clear that that would have bypassed an assault. Okay, I just wanted to remember what that was for, because I remembered it, but I didn't have my note from it. Apparently, the Gullwing Bandit is easily bribable by things associated with House Frikers. Ah, right. Makes some sense. Like a black porcelain hawk. I think our next step should be another, quietly to our group, not to Bardiche. I think our next step should be another trip to the swamp. Get that ledger. I think you are correct. Can we do it without Kaima following us? I think we just... Hey, Bardiche, you got a canoe? Yeah. It's um... not up at the lock, I assume? No, I mean, I got a, I got a canoe at home that I keep for recreational fishing. There you, you go. Want it? We just go right now. You want to go right now. All right, we can do that. I mean, I need to stop at the quartermaster, but yeah. Oh, Bardiche, one more thing. Can I get a requisition for a dagger, too? I seem to have lost mine. Daggers are basically free with one of those, so you just use the same coin. Thanks. In the eyeball of a giant crocodile? <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, yep, okay. Well, like I said, you've proven yourself. I'm on your side. Let me know whatever your next steps are. Awesome. And he gives you directions to grab the canoe. What did you ever do with the salmon? I cooked it. And ate it? Did we eat it? Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, I did. I'm sorry I didn't say I eat the salmon I cooked. It was, but... it was deep dangling plot holes. <laughs> I mean, I'm just asking about it because you're making a big deal of making this salmon. Well, he texted you about it, okay? Like, we know there is something <laughs> going on. <laughs> he did. He did text me about that salmon. Look, it's fine when I yeah, have no, mystery. I'll, I'll tell him I'm going to say that's mystery. what was going on when so, he texted you. <laughs> right. So I was using the salmon to cover for slipping a dagger to uh. Frikes. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Whoops. That was the dagger I just replaced. Gotcha. The one that you took from him. Because uh -huh. I was waiting for him to make a break for it and then just kill him. Uh -huh. Because I think, like I said, I knew what he was, like, what That's Claire learned, sneaky. unfortunately. I learned all that, but I was trying to give him, for, to get him to give me a reason. To kill him? Yeah. That's kind of barely towing a line there, Zerus. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Hey, if you like, have a prisoner escaping, you got to stop them at all costs. That's, I mean, um, we don't know that this happened, though. We just no, we don't know this happened. But like, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Zerus would would think to those <laughs> means, man. My my character is to bend. Your high horse is a little pony at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, my character is to bend. I mean, I straight up rogued a guy for like 200 gold worth of armor one game, like. <laughs> No, I, I love bend it. the laws so to scary. my will. The... No, no, no. The laws serve me. Anytime I think I'm spooky, Sirius is like, no, 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 you aren't. <laughs> no, you aren't. I am the sinister. I am Your one sinister motherfucker. Cute, oh, dang. <laughs> and I, I have the intelligence to back it up, which is also fun. Welcome to the mid-roll. Today's D&D advice. Introducing new players to Dungeons & Dragons. This question gets asked online all the time, and the top six answers are always the same advice. Like, hey, if you're going to play D&D for the first time, read the player's handbook. Now, I appreciate where that advice is coming from, but let's step back a second and, and think about this. I'm a new player. I'd like to do something fun with my friends. They play this storytelling game, and that sounds cool. Here's what I should do. Let's take six to eight uninterrupted hours to read and study a reference book all by myself. For the record, a reference book is designed to be referenced. You were never meant to sit there and read through it in one sitting. 
on a good day, we're sitting here in the 45 second TikTok era of digital media. They're not going to remember anything in that book. Some truly exceptional human being is going to take that advice. They'll read the book. They'll understand the rules. That person might even make their own character. And that is super impressive. Also unnecessary and kind of a wonder anyone gets into this hobby at all if that's the advice we offer them. So, to sit down and play D&D, you need to roughly understand what's going to happen over the next few hours and how it's supposed to go. There's a dungeon master. They set the scene. You react as one of the characters in this story. You can learn the rules infinitely better and faster in practice than you can by sitting down reading them in theory. Might I recommend instead offering this advice? Hey, let's come over and order a pizza and take an hour and watch a, a TV show or a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my gosh, Adventure Zone, it's great. We're going to be in the car. Let's do it. Let's listen to an episode of Adventure Zone. Oh man, let's sit down and watch Gamers Darkness Rising. Or stream an episode of Journey Quest. Or we could even watch that lousy Dungeons & Dragons movie. There's all kinds of choices about how we introduce people, and we can choose media that was designed to be fun. Designed to hold your attention span for the whole time that it's running. And then we didn't assign homework. We assigned something fun that you can do with those same people that you're going to try to join as a friend group in this activity that is Dungeons & Dragons. Recap. Rule 1. Don't give anybody homework. Rule 2. Start playing as fast as you can. You'll learn that much faster. 3. Last rule I'm going to offer. Start with a one-shot, not a campaign. When people start to learn running, they don't automatically shoot for a marathon unless they're crazy. Let's have some fun. And let's do that by introducing people to a thing that we love in a way that they will love. That's the goal. Start there. Can we fit the three of us in that one canoe? Yes. Right. Because it's narratively simplistic. I just realized Bardouche was probably called Bardouche Bag as he was growing up, and that was probably a permanent scar. Mm. Chip on his shoulder level now. (laughs) Okay, we're in the canoe. We won't call him that. He seems pretty cool, honestly. I kind of like him. He's the only person I really want to work with in this goddamn place. <laughs> he called Bulane a nobody. She's feeling a little salty about that. Hey, Bulane said she was a nobody. He just repeated out loud what you said. <laughs> we did take a long rest before doing this, right? We did. We took a long rest on the barge on the way back. You had a whole day to coming back on the barge. Is that long enough to get attuned to the bow? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, are you hanging on to that? Uh, well, I had it for now and I hadn't really thought about it. Full disclosure, I think she's going to probably give it to Creighton. She was the one who took it away from him and then didn't really think about it after that. I mean, it seemed like I wanted to get it, but you none of you really know why I wanted to get it. And now that it is in our hands, I'm not, like, particularly... Like, I don't use a bow. It's nice, though. We all get benefits from it. Yeah, it it is pretty nice. I think it makes it... What does it do again? Like, you can't be... You get, like, advantage on stealth or something, right? Initiative. Initiative. And we can't be surprised. Oh, yeah. The person who's holding it has advantage on initiative, and no one within 30 feet of them that's an ally can be surprised, even if they're asleep. Actually, can I do a religion or investigation check to look over the bow, if Pulain will give me enough time with it, for 
Any religious iconography? Yeah. Roll the beautiful knowledge religion. Bulane? Yes, Cirrus. Is this is this all right? It's all right. She, she's all right. probably curious in her own right. Hmm. I got a 17. I got a 19. Okay. So you immediately recognize it's a fae design. It's created by the fairies, and it is from the fae wild. That's its origin. That means, according to your church's pantheon, there's really only two gods that could be represented here. Eternal Cycle, the god of the seasons. Well, specifically the god of the fairy seasons. And the Luminous and One. The Luminous One created the fairies, but it's not the other fairy god. Green Man? No, the Green Man is the god of really both worlds, physical worlds. Let me scroll up a second. I need my, need my other god here. Eternal Knowledge, the god of fairy packs and bargains. So, as you look through it, there does seem to be a symbol of eternal knowledge. The fairy god of packs and bargains. This is blasphemy and should be destroyed. Absolutely. The church recognizes these gods, but it does not condone worshipping them on the mortal side of the world. Elaine takes a more pragmatic approach to it and says it may come from gods whose worship is not sanctioned by our church, but does that mean we cannot use their tools? That's a good point. It is very helpful. Not being able to be surprised would be pretty useful. I'll never get sat on in my sleep again. <laughs> Creedon has a vested interest <laughs> regarding giant pheasant chickens. <laughs> to be fair, we were not surprised by that chicken. Creedon was surprised by that <laughs> Very chicken. true. <laughs> and I won't be surprised again. <laughs> we do not have to use it as a weapon, but we can keep it on our person. It's contraband, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. While these are gods I've heard of, they're not one of the ten that the church recognizes, so... They do recognize it, they just do not like that anybody would worship them. Good enough for me. I am not worshipping them. I am using a tool that they provided. We at least don't give it to anyone else. Oh, agreed. My kind is also descended from the Fae, so I cannot completely discount where this comes from. Alright, so you all... Or in a canoe for a day. Who's rowing? That would be me. <laughs> Not me. Zerus, give me a survival roll. Sadie is scouting ahead, so Bulane is looking through her eyes. Okay. Actually, do you mind? Do you, does someone else mind helping row? Mm. Bulane is blind <laughs> because she's looking through Sadie's eyes. Bulane is scouting, so the question is is Creedon rowing? I feel like you asked me for help and I try for like five minutes before I'm like, oh, my arms. All right. <laughs> my baby arms. No advantage it is. I just want to point out that my lazy nature goes through to even just imagining doing hard labor. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if this was, you know, more more based on finesse, I could be a little bit better, but moving things through water is mostly a beefy sort of endeavor, of which I am not. Well, this is this the directing it's actually a very wise endeavor. I've scored a 7. Oh shit. A 7, okay. So you canoe for a, a day down the river. It is tiring. The river is a slow meandering thing, so you don't have to row really hard. It'll keep going in this direction. Quick question. Yeah. If I Eldritch Blast off the back, will that give us a speed boost? 
<laughs> Sadly, no. Oh. But it will make it look like your boat is tooting hearts. <laughs> Occasionally, a fish just floats off. That would be miserable. Can you imagine? We'd be like lurching and then lurching and then lurching. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> so you, your boat spends the better part of the day rowing. The weather turns bad. Just miserably drippy, rainy bad, and there's really nothing you can do to get out of it. So, Boulaine, please give me perception. You have disadvantage because the weather is abysmal. I got an 11 and a 12, which is a 15. Okay, Boulaine, Sadie spots movement off in the swamp. It is not on the main thoroughfare, but she sees something. She can go into investigate or not. Um, yes, Boulain will think to her, please investigate, stay high enough to stay out of trouble. Okay. It takes her a little while to figure out what this thing is, but she veers off out of the lake and into the swamp area. And after a while, this whatever's marching down here walks into a clearing. And she sees two people, humans, carrying bags over their shoulder and hoofing it deeper into the swamp. Can she recognize them? Roll me wisdom, please. Like a wisdom save? No, just a regular wisdom roll to see if you remember these faces from anywhere. That's a 12. <laughs> 12. No, you imagine if they were wearing bandanas over their face, they might look something like bandits mm. from earlier, but like you don't, you can't place them. Okay, and they're going deeper into the swamp. Are they going in the direction downriver that we're going? No, they're they're moving opposite you. They're going back to Highlock. Mm, unfortunately, their bearing is away from Highlock, but toward it. Their bearing is away from Highlock, but toward it. If Highlock is directly north, they're going northeast. Okay, all right. But they are not heading for their lair. They're heading probably for town. They appear to be heading away from the lair if they are bandits. Okay, and there's only two of them. There are only two of them. Okay, Mulain says. Two people, possibly two of the bandits, are heavily laden and heading away from the lair. They are not headed directly for Highlock, but they seem to be going that general direction. Do we want to intercept them and ask them what awaits us there? No. My intuition says that we should discreetly follow them because they're meeting somebody. Will that take us past where we want to go? It's no. back the other direction. It's back the wrong way. So, Nate, how far... Inland are they from the river? It's super marshy and crappy, so it's a couple hundred yards. Is the speed of the canoe going upriver faster or slower than the walking? Going upriver, it is still faster than walking because terrain is a bitch. So my thought is just turn around, follow them with Sadie, and then once we get ahead of them, find out who they're meeting and then intercept. All right. But again, this is based on the hunch that they're meeting somebody. Creedon? I am okay to follow them if uh, that was what Sirius thinks is best. I think that what we're looking for will likely still be there. Or they have it. Or they could have it. It would be quite unfortunate to walk through that gross swamp and find nothing. I am worried we will be quite unable to sneak up on them, given the swamp. So this might not be a sneaky endeavor on our part. All right. Any further suggestions on that? I'll turn the boat around right now if anyone... Doesn't object to that part of the plan. <laughs> I did prepare silence today. <laughs> That'd be real helpful. All right, so I turn the boat around. Okay. 
can get out ahead of them. They are not quite bushwhacking it. They appear to be following a trail that they have been on before, but it's rough. They're going, you said northeast. Is that towards or away from the river? It is away from the river toward Highlock, but a little out away from it. Sure. So they are, they're getting further from us as we travel along their path with the river. Correct. Yes. So we need to get far enough ahead of them that we can pull the boat in and then go inland and intercept them. Okay. If that's the plan, I need a survival roll from whoever is taking the lead. I was going to ask if I can do athletic checks to go faster, but... You will have no problem getting in front of them. Oh, okay. None at all. It's just a question of can you actually intercept them. Who has the best survival? I get a two. Zero. Zero as well. Okay, I guess I'll roll it. <laughs> but I'll I'll help you. Okay. okay. Blaine and, and Zerus, you're putting your heads together trying to figure out how what angle you have to go to get in front of them. Roll with advantage. Well, that's pretty close. 17 and an 18, and so that's a 20. Great. So you arrive at what appears to be a sizable game trail. It's a little straighter than you would expect from deer or whatever run through here, but it's it's packed down and pretty walkable, and you're fairly certain that if you hang out here, they will walk right by you. Great. I'll park and conceal the canoe, drag it up next to the brush line. What do we want to do here? Should I try to disguise myself as the going bandit? I don't think that's a terrible idea as a backup, and then you could go in once we see who the third person is and engage in conversation to at least throw them off a bit, learn some more. Are we planning to let them catch up with us and then follow them? Yes. Yeah, I assumed we were going to be like hiding in the bushes, and when they walk past us, then we follow. If something goes wrong, then we can toss out the going bandit. I know it's not going to be very useful, but holding the bow may be helpful as well for your... This is true. This is true. I won't be attuned to it, but I think that's okay. I can have it. Okay, sure. I will uh, use my Mask of Many's faces to make myself look like like. Lane will hand over the bow. Okay. Dearest will crouch down in the bushes. Planning to follow them before we just throw Creedon out there. (laughs) Yes. Everybody give me a stealth roll, please. You have advantage. Natural 20. Holy crap. I like these dice. 18. 14. Okay. So they tromp on by you and keep going. You're able to follow them at a good distance because you have Sadie spotting them out in front of you. They seem pretty oblivious. After about an hour more of walking, they stop at a clearing and you see three men walk in from the other direction. One of them you recognize is Bertie of Bertie's Curios. Mm. Shocking. <laughs> And Bertie says, what do you got for me, boys? And they set down the bags, and you can hear them say, yeah, this is the last run. Boss is gone. This is it. This is the stuff we can't eat. So we're going back to the swamp, and I guess good doing business with you. And Bertie says, okay, do you want coin then? And they're like, honestly, if you've got food or whatever, we'll take that. And Bertie nods and says, yeah, I've got I've got the normal rations, but I mean, I'm I'm making out like a bandit here if I don't pay you. (laughs) And they're like, exiles can't spend coin. So we'll take the food. And this is the last you'll see of us. So Boulain's got her veil on, but she turns her face towards Zerus and kind of holds up her hand in a question like, what do you want to do? I point at the axe. (laughs) 
I mean, this is the legal dealing. But maybe first, we should see if the Gullwing Bandit can get any information. I'm whispering, for the record, I, I can't do his voice. I could just look like... I mean, I can try, but I think they might catch on to it. I don't know. Hey, I'm the Gullwing Bandit! <laughs> hey, 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 it's me! Hey, hey! <laughs> Your old leader, the, the Gullwing uh, Bandit. How is it, buddies? <laughs> What do the other two people with Birdie look like? Do they look like thugs, or do they look like... They look like they're here to carry heavy things. They don't appear to be armed or armored. They have big muscles. Maybe my disguise would be more helpful when we actually get to the, the hideout, and then I might be able to walk in, <laughs> grab the stuff, and leave. Yeah, that's, that's true. Although they think he's gone, so there would definitely be questions. If only I could do voices. I'm a terrible impersonator. I mean, you, you're the going bandit. Of course you escaped. Like, that's, that's the answer there. Well, yeah, there would be no question of that. And if she's got the bow on, that's going to mm-hmm. lend the verisimilitude that you need. But I think Bulane, she holds up her wrist and she puts a hand around it, like, arrest them. Let's not kill them. Let's arrest them. If it happens, it happens. All right. <laughs> Although we have no way to get them back. Yeah, we do only have one canoe. I mean, I guess I could take their canoe, but then we would have to split up or take them with us to the hideout. I mean, if the two of them are there, that's two less of them that are at the hideout, so we could go and... Nate will point out that you don't have to arrest them now. That's true. You know who they all are. Again, my big concern with not acting now is simply what's in the bag. That's my big concern with not acting now. Mm. Yeah, does Bernie not ask what he... they're getting? Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't want to look at it. He doesn't care. Negotiation seems to have basically gone its way so well that he doesn't get key, doesn't care at all. He doesn't care. Okay. You get the impression this would normally cost coins, not hunks of meat and dry tack. Right. All right. Well, I guess if you want to go cut their heads off, Cyrus, go cut their heads off. Tell you what, we'll see what happens. So I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll try and sneak closer. Okay. Give me a regular stealth roll. Yep. 14. Okay, uh, you slip up right up to the edge of this clearing where they're meeting. No one seems to have noticed you. Great. All right, who has the bags? Is it a muscle? Are they in the middle? Or do the, the scallywags? The scallywags have set the bags down. The muscle is handing over what looks like a, a crate. And so this is an exchange. So the bags are in the middle. The crate's in the middle. The bandits are going to grab the crate. The muscle's going to grab the bags. So by Sister Truth's Laws of Civilization... Is this illegal? This exchange of goods is illegal. So this this is stolen property. You know it's stolen. So Birdie is definitely guilty of fencing stolen goods, and he would probably get one to two years in prison for this. You know that the bandits have admitted to being exiles, which means they already did a crime mm. that is worth more than two years of prison, and they were doing banditry, which means... The only penalty left is death. So the two bandits, if you arrest them, they will be executed. Birdie would probably get away with a prison sentence. And the two guys who are carrying shit for Birdie, probably a much lesser prison sentence, if anything, depending on how much they do or don't know. They might even just get fined or something. It's possible. Great. Then what we're going to do is, at this point, I'm going to rush out into the middle of the pack, axe drawn. My goal is to get Birdie in my melee range, along with as many other people as I can. Since I'm assuming they're very close, 
I'm assuming that's a good portion of them, but I, I don't know. Okay, so we're going to give you a surprise round. You're essentially going to use it to basically get right in the middle of this thing. Yes. At which point, I'm not going to do initiative yet. Can we also get surprise rounds? I'm also going to say this is an illegal action and surrender now or suffer worse penalties under the laws of Sister Truth. Okay, I'm going to just briefly describe how people instantaneously react, and then you tell me if this is a combat. <laughs> Same goes for you, Claire and Mandy. So, the two bandits look like they're going to drop their supply of crates and sprint into the swamp directly east. Birdie folds his arms and looks like he's happy to surrender, and the two guys that are with Birdie to carry stuff look confused, and they don't appear to be taking any actions. Great. I do want to attempt to intimidate as many people as I can into no action. Okay, go ahead and roll me intimidate, and we'll see if these bandits do or do not break for it. Nope, that's a six. All right, they break for it. Two guys are running from you. What do you do? I will take an attack of opportunity. You may swing on one of them. Yep, we've hit a 17. Okay, you hit him. And seven damage. Okay, you hit him good. He's bleeding profusely, and the two of them are in the swamp foliage. Is this a fight? Do we need initiative? Or is it a chase? Or are you letting them go? I will see those folk later. Okay. I don't know. I'll, I'll let, I mean... Well, I'm wondering, do we want them to get back and warn the others that we're coming for them? They don't know that, but, I mean, do what you're going to do. They might guess. They also aren't even headed in that direction. Oh, they're not headed in the right direction? No. Uh, probably because... Cirrus is in that direction? Yeah, I mean, we would probably beat them unless they're running back towards the canoe. They are not. They're running away from the river and away from everything, yes. right? Away from the river, away from Highlock, deep into the swamp. Although we have established that they have like a bird call system, so I suppose that the word could reach the camp faster than we could. That's true. Yeah, if they've got scouts stationed all the way back. If they still have enough scouts? Their numbers are really diminished, though, because we killed four of them. <laughs> I'm sorry, Zerus killed four of them. <laughs> the crocodile ate one. So they don't, they're pretty sparse. So they may not have people to spare to like spread out like that. Of the ten bandits, I believe there are only three left that are unaccounted for that you know of. Oh, wait, were there only ten? There were only ten total, yeah. Oh, and that, those were two of them, right? Well, you have yet. And one of them was mortally injured, so. <laughs> you, they, you don't recognize them. They may not have been at the actual event. Okay. We don't know how many there are. Oh, wait, unless Sadie counted them when she saw their lair. Their lair appears to be a treehouse. A big, big treehouse. That's all she can tell you. Okay, she didn't see inside of it. Okay. If they're running in clear the wrong direction, Boulain's instinct is to let them go. They're fuckoed anyways. Okay. So, yeah, then you have three people who are not resisting arrest. They're, two of them even don't seem to understand what's going on. All right, Bertie. What's going on? I thought you were an honest businessman. I, I am an honest businessman. I was just buying goods because obviously no goods are coming through the canal. Hmm. Hmm. All right, I'll tell you, here's what we're going to do. We're out in the middle of the woods. But we have plenty of witnesses. And I'm sure your friends here care about coin more than truth. <laughs> you see both of them just nod. <laughs> So why don't we make this deal? I don't like you, to be honest, and I don't like your dealing. So why don't you go back, close up shop, and leave? I'll be gone for a couple of days. When I get back, 
you're still there, then we'll make a deal of this. Bertie puts his hands up and says, I can, that's, whew, well, you drive a hard bargain, sir. I'll tell you what, I'll give you a couple of days to think about it. Roll me Intimidate, please. Sure. That's going to be a 14. He says, okay, okay. <laughs> you will never see me again. Boys, let's go. Bertie, you need to understand how merciful he is being. Oh, don't. I, I, I highly suggest you be gone by the time we return to town. Not, not to worry, not to worry. I'll, I'll just uh, be on my way. And he doesn't turn his back to you. He walks about five steps cautiously and then turns to leave. And the two, the two porters that he brought with him are basically like, uh, we're going with him, right? Completely <laughs> nod. I nod vigorously <laughs> while holding my axe. Yeah, okay, cool. And away they go. At your feet is a box of trade goods, mostly food, and two large bags of stuff. Elaine will open one of them. Yeah, let's look in the bags. I, I'm dropping my disguise, by the way, for, mm. for the time being. I can reapply it at any time. In the bag of stuff, there is a large locked wooden box, a sealed crate that's all nailed shut, and a bunch of knick-knacky nice things that are wrapped in various... looks like silk, actually. They've used some very nice cloth to oh. wrap up some luxury goods. <laughs> I grab the silk cloth and just wipe off my face with it. Oh, the humidity in the swamp. It's been killing me. Soft and wonderful. Is there a good way to determine the origin of this stuff? So the crate actually has a shipping label and some marks from a ship. You don't know the names of the trade caravans that come through here, but that is probably the name of a trade caravan. The box is a box. And the knick-knacky art supplies things, I bet if you asked around, you could figure out in Highlock who owns them, but they're not labeled. But they're very esoteric things, right? They're individual pieces of art. The one thing that is interesting is you see a small carriage, very much like the one that is for sale in Bertie's shop, little ornate miniature carriage with little gold wheels. Mm. So clearly there was more than one in the shipment that they took that from. Creighton looks on it fondly and looks at Xeris and says, can I keep this? The silk handkerchief? With big puppy dog eyes. No, <laughs> no, I want the little pony set. I was interested in it in Birdie's shop because it reminded me of something that my grandmother had that I used to play with. My thought is to take all this, put it on the shoreline where he left the canoe, come back and claim it on the way in. I'm fine with that. I don't know how easy it's going to be to find the owner or proper caretaker for the majority of the stuff, given how corrupt the city is. I think a lot of people just see opportunity rather than a way to, to make it right. So yes, on the way back, we can take some of that. I would suggest we make an effort to find the right owners. And if we cannot find the right owner, you keep it. If we can, we might be able to persuade them to let you have it as a reward. <laughs> But how can you do that among criminals? My problem is that the town is more than half criminals, so... Yeah, what he said. <laughs> so you are all right with stealing from the criminals. This is stolen goods, and sure, if I knew who the owner was, I'd want to get it to them, but I don't trust anyone in that town to be honest when they say, oh yeah, that's mine, because I feel like if I say, yeah, this valuable item, we don't know who the owner is, who's the owner, I feel like we're going to get five people being like, oh, that's, that's totally mine. Yelp, sure is. The merchants who are bottled up there will have inventory lists. 
All right. Let's take a look at a few manifests. Sure. Without saying that we have our own cargo. That makes sense. It's a good idea. And we cannot assume all the merchants are also criminals. They are probably honestly wanting to recover their goods. Well, that's why I said let's take a look at the manifest. The manifest will say it without without us telling them what, what we have. Yes. Creedon frowns at Boudin. <laughs> For simplicity, you can fit these bags into your canoe. Apparently you have a very big canoe. <laughs> I'm guessing there's no markings on the chest or the box that, that betray their contents. Roll me history. Roll of a nine gets me, what, a 15? Wow, you got a really good history skill. Ah, uh, no, sorry, that's a 13, excuse me. Oh, well, 13 is still good. So you know that you recognize the merchants. They're actually known for custom goods. You suspect what's in this? Give it a little shake. Sounds like rattling glass. Probably potions. Hmm. The box, give it a little shake. You can't even tell what's in it. There's no distinguishing features, nothing like that. The art objects are all art objects. They're worth whatever they would sell for. All right. Yeah, I think we deal with these later unless we want to open up this crate. Yeah, I mean, we're taking the canoe downriver to the lair, right? Yeah. We're not like leaving everything here and then walking. Not walking. One of my thoughts was to leave the canoe, leave the the bags here, but we can also deal with it down there at the at the hideout too. Okay, so we're getting back on the river for sure. Okay. As a point of discussion, assuming that there, uh, when we get to the hideout, there are people there. How do we want to play this? Do we want me to try to go in as the Gullwing Bandit? Do you want to have me as a hostage and go in and get the stuff again? I don't think I'm a great... Well, I don't know. I did some drama classes when I was younger. I might be able to get away with it. <laughs> that is not a bad idea. If we show up with the Gullwing Bandit as our prisoner, we will need to take the bow off of you again to pull that off. Yeah, of course. But I could cast silence on the whole lair. Nobody can talk to anybody else. You go in, get the ledger, we go out. That is pretty suspicious, I think. <laughs> if suddenly nobody can hear anything, they would know. Oh, I'm... I was not planning on making a secret that I cast that oh, spell. Okay. It would be a deterrent on anyone being able to communicate. I don't know. I'm not actually too worried about what happens there. I feel like the firepower has been taken out. That's true. I don't expect them to have enough numbers to really stand against us, but it, I suppose it was just more of a question of what... Well, let's get there and see what it looks like. Yeah, I'm not expecting big resistance, but Sadie can tell us if there's something more going on. This is true. So as you get close, Sadie will inform you there is a small, a very small inlet of water that sits at the base of this really big tree. In that inlet of water, there is a broken down old canoe. Looks like there's space for many canoes, but no canoes made it back from their last voyage. There's a small door in this tree, and then it appears that up in the branches of the tree, there's a some sort of wooden structure that's been made, kind of like a log cabin. And that's what she sees. There are no signs of other people in there or around there. No smoke from a chimney? No or... smoke. Nope. No light. Okay. Again, pull the canoe ashore, flip it upside down, camouflage it. Okay. I'll still disguise myself anyways, just in case. Can't hurt to have it on. I don't think I would be attacked here. Suppose the one thing I'm afraid of is deterrence. Mm. Yeah, I would not be surprised if they had some booby traps.
And that is the end of our show today. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson from My Pet Machine for our tunes and Juliet Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo. Do not forget to leave us a rating and review. With that, what happens to our heroes when they enter the bandit hideout? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey.